Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here today as we conclude the series on how to pray. We've been looking at over the last several weeks, and we've been looking at what did Jesus have to say to this question, how are we supposed to pray? We started the whole thing with a question that you maybe have wrestled with before. Is there a right and a wrong way to pray? And as it turns out, according to Jesus, yes, there actually is a right and a wrong way to pray. Um, and there is a more effective way to pray. We've been looking at that over the last couple of weeks. I encourage you, if you've missed any of that, check it out. Our website, brazosfellowship.com. We've got those, those are all archived there for you. But Jesus said, look, yes, there is a right and wrong way to pray. <clears throat> And maybe you have heard this, I'm sure you've heard this, and maybe you've even personally prayed this before. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, we're going to be looking at this today, where Jesus taught us, lead us not into temptation, okay? And we're going to look at more of that in a little bit. But this sort of begs the question, if you've ever prayed this, who or what is leading us into temptation? Or are we leading ourselves into temptation, now, as you, as you read through the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus offers this open, extended invitation over and over, and it goes something like this. There's only two words, follow me. Over and over, Jesus is showing people the way you get started in this life with God, this life with me, Jesus says, and he is God in the flesh. He says, I want you to come and follow me, which essentially what he's saying is, allow me to lead you. I want you to come and join me in a relationship where I'm going to lead your life. Now, I know that sounds pretty demanding, and that's where a lot of people pump the brakes, and they're saying, I'm just not sure about this. Now, this is one of those things that Jesus said often, and I want to point out one of those places to you right now. In Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus said this, <clears throat> Whoever wants to be my, let's read the highlighted words together, who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus comes with the assumption that sometimes we forget about us as people. He, he refers to himself often as a shepherd, and we are his sheep, right? And there is a sense in which sheep uh, that was not a huge compliment, biblically, by the way. Uh, sheep will follow just about anybody, just about anywhere. Uh, they, they have to be to told where the water is and where the grass is and where they have to be protected or they're in danger almost all the time. And Jesus was showing us that I want you to come and be my disciple because if you don't, guess what? By default, you will become someone or something's disciple in this life. You will follow something, someone, something will influence you, someone will influence you, whether you realize it or not, whether you're intentional about it or not. You will come to have a priority list and a standard and a worldview that you live by that is dictated by something or someone that you are a disciple of, whether you ever call it that or not. Jesus is just saying, I'd like you to be intentionally my disciple since I created you and I know how you work best, how you've been designed, 
I'm telling you, the very best version of you will be you surrendered to me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Now, this means we got to say no to ourselves. And let's be really honest. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 is probably not a verse you're going to see anybody tattoo on their body because it's real hard to do, right? Like it's, it's scary, it's demanding, it's pretty tough. And that's what Jesus offered to those who came and followed and still down to this day. But let's be honest, the kind of popular and I would even say Christian view of what it means to follow Jesus is, goes something like this. Hey, as long as you believe the right things, you try to behave, you'll be fine, right? But you won't be a Christ follower according to Jesus, right? You won't have him as the leader of your life. And this is really important to what we've been looking at over the last several weeks. You won't be able to, with all honesty and integrity, pray what he's called us to pray. And this was... His teaching on how to pray came as a response to a request by his own disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where they came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus, we, we, we were taught to pray when we were little kids, but you pray totally different. We've heard priests pray. We've heard religious people pray. We've heard lots of people pray in our life, but you pray completely different, and we want to learn how to pray like you. And Jesus laid out for them a beautiful kind of construct, an outline, if you will, of how to pray. And I want to share that with you today. We've been talking about it all along the way, and today I want to sort of culminate it all together. And I hope that you will take this little outline. It's one that you can remember very easily. I promise you by the end you'll go, I got that, you know, and you can take it with you. It's very portable. You can remember it. So here's the thing. This is the outline for the disciples' prayer that I want to share with you. Now, it's commonly been called the Lord's Prayer, and it certainly is, but if you think about it, it was Jesus saying, this then is how you should pray, as he told the disciples. Like he, he was given, here's a model, here is a way in which you can pray that you don't have to worry. You're doing great, and you, you just follow this, and it will help you to hit on the most important things. The first thing that Jesus touches on when he starts to teach on prayer is he wants us to pause. He wants us to pause. He wants us to break the flow of regular life and get still and know that God is truly God. Back up in verse 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he talks about, but when you pray, he's talking to his disciples, in verse 5, he says, I don't want, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, right? And he says, the hypocrites, what do they do? They try to impress other people. They're trying to impress God with their big words, like Clark Griswold did on the video, right? They try to be really, they try to impress. They want them to sound really, really, they want to sound like, they're, like they really know what they're talking about, that they're close with God, man, impressive, big words, etc. He's saying, don't you do that. I don't want you to worry about that. I want you to keep it simple. I, when it comes to prayer, I want you to uh, not just be mindlessly saying words. I don't want you to feel like you're putting on a performance for God. I want you to be real with God. And then finally, he's like, when it comes to prayer, I want you to be consistent. I want you to keep on praying and never give up. We looked at this in last week's. In other words, keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. 
Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. Let's say that together. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. And this just summarizes the sort of preface, if you will, of what Jesus said before he went into the Lord's Prayer. Like, when it comes to prayer, I want you to keep it simple. I want you to keep it real. I want you to keep it up. And he says, if you will take this into a private place where it's just you and God. Now, let me just say, Jesus was not um, condemning public prayer. He prayed publicly. He was just saying, the, the, the lion's share of your prayer, the majority of the prayer of your life ought to be private. It's just between you and your Father in heaven that you're talking to him, that it's not a show. And when you do that, he tells us, that your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. He will bless you because of a prayer like that. Powerful. God wants you to do that. So we pause. Secondly, we rejoice. There is an element of worship, of praise, of recognizing who we're talking to. First, we need to recognize who we're talking to. We pause and we recognize that. In verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. And he begins the prayer like this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He gives us these two ideas. He is both intimate and infinite. He, he wants you to relate to him as a father to his children, which was a revolutionary idea. He loves you. He wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. But don't ever forget this. He's hallowed. He is holy, honored, almighty. He has no equal, no rival. He is the God of the universe who has all power, all knowledge. And when, when you come to him, you need to come with reverence and respect and that you, you, uh, you acknowledge him for who he is and what he has done and even what he has yet to do. And when you do that, you, in other words, you, you recognize the identity of God. Guess what this does for us, guys? This allows us to understand our personal identity before God. In a time in human history where we are struggling to know who we are anymore, human identity is on the table for debate and everybody's opinion gets included, right? Jesus is helping us to say, let me help you with that. Let the God of the universe help you to understand his intent, his wisdom, his genius <clears throat> behind you being alive right now at this time in history and he knows exactly why he put you here. And if you will seek him and you will stop, pause, rejoice, and in your worship of him, you will find out both your identity and your purpose, why you're here and what you're, uh, what you're here to do. Uh, and, and it's so powerful. He goes on to kind of include in this next verse kind of the continuation of this in verse 10. He says, and your kingdom come. <clears throat> Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So once you recognize who God is, of course you're going to be like, your will first, your kingdom first, your agenda first, mine second, right? I want your will to be done right here, right now, through me. That is a powerful, life-changing prayer. Where do I need to begin to do that today, Lord? That is a powerful part of this prayer. Then, so once we pause, we rejoice, and we've covered this. I'm kind of moving quickly. If you want to unpack that further, check out those messages that we've done in previous weeks. And then thirdly, we ask. 
And when we ask, and for you, some of you are going, finally, we got to the ask part. Like, this is why I pray, all right? Let's be honest, right? You're asking for stuff. So when we ask, we're asking for provision, we're asking for pardon, and we're asking for protection. And this is all included in the prayer. And so let's take those one at a time. Verse 11, Jesus says, when we pray, we're asking, give us today our daily bread. It's recognizing God is the provider of everything good in our life. Later, the half-brother of Jesus, his name is James, New Testament book named after him, James chapter 1, verse 17, he says, every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father of lights. Like, recognize the good stuff, God, thank you. And you're here with me in the middle of the bad stuff too. God, I'm recognizing it all comes from you. And if we don't recognize that it is from God, then the default setting for the human heart is entitlement. It's mine. I own it. I call the shots on it. Instead of it's a gift from God, I manage it and I steward it for the Lord God Almighty. That is a very different place to live your life than I own it, it's mine, and I'm going to, tell, I'm going to do whatever I please with it. <clears throat> I am ultimately the one who calls the shots. When, we, <clears throat> when we're grateful for something, um, there is a joy that comes with gratitude. When we're entitled with something, we will take it for granted, and we will never, ever, ever, ever feel grateful for it. Why? Because it's ours, mine right? And people who struggle to ever have any real joy in their heart, I would challenge you. If that's you today, it's probably because you're very, you're probably not very grateful for very much. I bet if you cultivated gratitude and start beginning to praise God for all the good things you can think of, there is a joy that will begin to well up. Those two are welded together. Joy and gratitude go hand in hand. I encourage you, to look for ways to say, God, not only am I asking you for the daily bread, whatever that symbolically represents for me today, but also I'm going to praise you for it. Thank you for it. So this is the first one. We ask for provision. We also ask for pardon. In verse 12, we looked at this last week a little more in depth. <clears throat> Jesus says, and let's say it together, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, those two are connected, our debtors. In other words, it's a way of Jesus teaching us, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of where I have wronged you in the same way as to the extent at which I was willing to forgive others who have wronged me. Wait, what? Yeah, that's what Jesus is teaching. Those two are connected. I want you to be willing to offer to other people the very gift that you were given by God. And if you feel like you need something from God and you receive it from him that you're unwilling to give someone else, then what does that make you? It's a little word that starts with a hip and ends with a crit. <laughs> Jesus, back up in verse 5, when he started teaching on prayer, he said, here's the big thing I'm trying to help you to avoid. You don't want to be a hypocrite and you don't like being around them, Right? So I'm trying to help you to avoid living like one or praying like one. This is simply what Jesus is saying. I want you to be consistent, a person of integrity. We all respect integrity, regardless of whether your faith's in Jesus or not. 
We don't want to follow leaders that don't have any integrity, right? We don't want people that, we don't want to be people like that. And this is what Jesus, he's trying to help us not to fall backwards into that, but rather to be willing to forgive. And if we're not willing to forgive, then we don't get forgiven. And if we don't forgive others, it's Jesus' way of showing us you're still under the power of, the weight of that offense that was done against you. You're letting it rule your life. You're letting it control your life. You're letting it control your relationships. And you're letting it do its horrible bidding in your heart. Until you forgive, you will never know what it means to be free. And that's what being a disciple of Jesus is. There is a freedom, a joy, a lightness of heart that this world cannot understand. It is a peace that surpasses human understanding, he tells us. And you cannot know, you can't take steps as a disciple while holding on to unforgiveness. And maybe that's you today. It's time to forgive and let go and say, God, this scares me. I feel like I'm letting them off the hook. And Jesus would say, no, it's you that's on the hook. It's like drinking a poison, holding on to unforgiveness, like drinking a poison, hoping the other person dies. It poisons you and your heart and your family and your future. Don't let it. The last of the four, yield. Why? He mentions it back up in verse 10 where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done is definitely a prayer of yielding, of surrender. But then he circles back to it in verse 13, the very end of the prayer, where he says, and and this is really interesting because this is kind of where the ask and the yield bleed into one another. Think about it kind of like a tie-dyed shirt. This is kind of how the the Lord's Prayer works. It's like there is a prayer for provision and pardon and protection. But in verse 13, he says, and lead us, and I want to make it personal, lead me not into temptation. God, I want you to protect me. And, And this implied here is a little word, lead, that implies I'm going to follow. I'm asking you to lead. I'm inviting you to lead. So here's my question for you. Are you ready or have you currently been praying this? Can you pray this? We pray about all kinds of things, don't we? We pray about parking spaces. We pray about good grades. We pray about traveling mercies. We pray about success into the future. But do we pray about this? Is this a pretty consistent prayer for you? Lord, lead me not into temptation. Because here's the thing. Again, this goes back to our integrity issue. We can't be praying, God, help lead me out of temptation or not into temptation, while all the while in the back of our mind we're going, but I'm probably going to give in to it. Right? I'm probably going to lead myself into it. If you're praying, Father, lead me, lead us not into temptation, but all the while you know there's no good guardrails, there's no accountability, there's nothing that's keeping me from just going right off the edge of my pet sin, and I'm asking God for help, but yet I know I'm about to give in to it. I'm going to lead myself right back into it. If I pray that and I do that, then what does it make me? Once again, it makes me a hypocrite. Thank you. You're helping me preach this message. I appreciate that. Yes, it does. And Jesus here, once again, is showing us you can't, you can't do both. You have to decide. You have to choose. And it's so important that 
God is asking us to trust him. And what's so beautiful, guys, is that God does provide a way out. I love this promise that was given by God through the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the church at Corinth. Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, verse 13. Um, the Corinthians, man, they were some people that lived in sin and debauchery. They had all, I mean, everything you can imagine was going on, and they were trying to say no to it. And, and Paul is trying to throw them a line, throw them, a, a, you know, a, you know, a lifeline here and say, listen, God's on your side. He's working with you. And here's a promise. And God is faithful. Like he's not faithless. He's faithful. You can put your weight of your trust and confidence on him, especially in the area of your temptation. He's faithful. He will not let you be, let's say it together, be tempted beyond what you can bear. Like, how's he going to do that? How does he help us keep? He's going to tell us. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So how are we supposed to bear it? How are we supposed to endure it? We look for, we pray for, God's going to show you a way out. God says, let me show you how you bear it. Let me show you how you endure it. You get away from it. <laughs> you remove yourself from the situation. You get away from it. This doesn't show weakness. This isn't cowardice. This is wisdom. We have forgotten this in our day. That it is wise to step back from sin and temptation. It is wise to put guardrails in our life and to step back from that. Now, now here's the question I want to ask you about this in your own life. Do you want, do you really want to be delivered from temptation? Do you really want? Or are you going to just maybe be content with just continuing to play the sin now and ask forgiveness later game, right? Because that's what most people do. Let's be honest. That's what happens. I'd rather ask for you know, forgiveness than permission. That's what we used to do when we were kids, when we were dumb, right? We didn't know any better. We know better now. There are consequences, painful ones, they don't just hurt us, they hurt all the people we love. And God's trying to show us, I have created you for better, I've invited you into a relationship that is better. But for you to use this over and over with me and you just keep coming back and ask for forgiveness from something that you know you're really not repentant of, you're playing a game with God. You're coming to a false and dangerous deception conclusion about God. And this conclusion kind of goes something like this. Yeah, God, I know you made the universe and me included, but you really don't know what's best. I really know what's best. I know better than you what I ought to do and how I should spend my life and my sexuality and my money and everything else. I'm not going to really trust you. Let's put it all together. Verse 13, Jesus says, and lead us, or lead me, let's make it personal, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil or from the evil one, depending on the translation that you're using. Now, I want to camp out for just a second on this word deliver, because we talked a little bit about lead us, but deliver is a powerful word that implies some things. It is a word defined as to be rescued from or to be led away from danger. Like, I'm asking you, Jesus, to deliver me from evil. I, implied in that is don't 
I, I don't want to get in the way of this. I want you to lead me. But when we sin, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you hear this. When we sin, in other words, when we lead, we choose to lead ourselves into temptation, we're believing a lie, a deception from the evil one. The evil one has sold us a bill of goods. And here's how it goes. And it comes in lots of different forms. It comes in lots of different packages and lots of different moments. And it's usually in the heat of the moment. But it goes something like this. We tend to play up the pleasure of sin and we downplay the pain and suffering that's going to go with it. The pleasure is immense and the pain is minuscule. And the reality, and some of you have been like, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and I can tell you, it's the opposite. It is the pain that's immense. And the pleasure is so minuscule, you can hardly remember why in the heck did I do this in the first place. So this is why it's so important that we circle back to yielding our hearts before the Lord. Surrendering. Be willing to begin that prayer with two Little words, lead me, lead me. Jesus, lead me. Can you pray this prayer from Jesus? Lead me. There's probably some area of your life where you're like, yeah, I'm good with God, lead me in these areas, but no thank you, Jesus. Leave that alone. I don't want you speaking into this relationship. I know it's probably not honoring. It's definitely, your will is not being done, but I'm happy with where it is. I just don't leave it like it is. Uh, I want your will to be done in a lot of other areas, but don't tell me where I'm supposed to go on the internet or with my free time. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't tell me how to use my stuff. Don't tell me how to, and we think that by taking the control back from God and, and holding on to it with our own little tight fists, that somehow that keeps us free, but actually it keeps us incarcerated. It is a prison of our own making. Because you look around and say, is this it? Is this all there is? You've been created to live for something bigger than yourself, for the God of the universe. He created you, he loves you, and he is inviting you into a relationship with, you, with him that requires a lead me moment in your life. And I would even say a daily lead me moment of God. Once again, today, I'm asking you to lead me in all areas. But where right now in your life would you say, I feel the most tension over surrendering to Jesus' leading of my life, the Lord's leading in my life in this area? Where is that? Pay attention to the tension. Because wherever that is, it's God trying to show you, I'm at work right here. This is the big spot the big barricade between you taking the next step in your discipleship with me. Where is it that you hesitate, you, you're frustrated, you're like, wow, I don't think so, I'm just not quite there yet. But it's time. Now, I understand that this can be scary and you're pumping the brakes a little bit, but let me just ask you to do this. Before you say, no, I'm not going any further, Will, I'm done, let me just get you to think about a question real quick. What do you have to show for all the temptations that you've led yourself into? All the sins that you look back and say, yeah, I have some regrets over this and that. I probably shouldn't have done all that, but hey, it's just part of my story now. But here's the reality. 
of the temptations that we lead ourselves into, they almost always lead to a result in our life of lack. We walk away lacking something that we didn't lack before it happened. We lack financial security because we said yes, yes, yes to a temptation that we probably should have, should have said no, no, no to. And it takes away financial security, and which consequently takes away our ability to be generous. We lack the ability to really be generous and to be able to, to bless other people. We lack trust. Giving into temptation will cause a lack of trust between us and our spouse, between us and our fiance, be, between us and our friendships, between us and our parents, between us and our children. It would create a lack of trust and ultimately a lack of joy because we're not grateful, right? Because it's really all about us. It's about us giving in to and, and catering to the temptations so we don't have joy. And there's a lack of transparency. We don't really feel like we can be honest and real and, and, and just really be who we really are because we're scared to death of what people might think if they really knew the truth. So we have all these secrets that you're hanging on to. And for some of you, I'm describing your life, your private life right now. And it is a living hell. It's horrible. And that was never the way God intended for you to live. I love all the way back to the writings of David in the Old Testament. One of the most famous of all the Psalms, Psalm 23, verse 1 I love how he puts this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what is implied there? Yielding, surrender. He says, I, let's say it together, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. How profound. It's like 3,000 years old, but it's like, dang, that's so relevant to our life right now. How many of you go, I'm not enough. I feel like I am inadequate to do what I'm trying to do in my life. I constantly feel like I lack as a man, as a woman, all the time. That is not the way God designed you to live. And that is not the relationship that he invites you into as his child, as your heavenly father. He wants to show you that he is enough. He is enough. And he is inviting you into a relationship that will help you, along with David, to be able to say, whoa, for the first time in my life. There's a peace I can't describe. There's a joy. There's a gratitude. and There's a, an intimacy with God that just fills me up. And I don't feel like I lack anything. And later in the same psalm, he's like, my cup overflows. Like, that's so beautiful. Don't you want that? Don't you want that kind of life with God? He wants that for you. Sometimes I think, I, I know, he wants it way worse than we do. But would you today just be open to be able to pray the prayer he called us to pray anyway? And this is how he gave it to us. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, this day, today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. One more time, we are to pause. We are to rejoice. We are to ask. We are to yield. Pray. P-R-A-Y. 
Pause, rejoice, ask, yield. Let's say it together. Pause, rejoice, ask, yield. It's just an outline Jesus gave us right there in the Lord's Prayer. I'm giving it to you. I bet you can remember that. P-R-A-Y, right? When you get ready to pray, remember pray, right? Pause. I need to stop for just a minute. Slow down. Talk to God. Let your heart be quiet for a minute. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 tells us. There's such power and wisdom in that. To rejoice, to ask, to yield. It's beautiful. But it's only when we yield, when we surrender, we fully are, like we're not gonna get it right all the time, we're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we don't get, I, I don't get it right all the time, we won't, but our aim, our objective is, I'm surrendered to you, lead me, Jesus, I will follow you, I am your disciple, that is the intent of your life. Now you are truly a follower of Jesus. When you begin to pray, lead me, Lead me, not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, from the evil one. Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me as we close out today. And, 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 and we're about to pray in a minute, and I'm going to have the band come back out, and you do not want to miss this last song. It's so beautiful, and it, it encapsulates the whole series we've been in about prayer. Don't miss this. I had so many people tell me how much they loved it in the last service. But here's our final prayer, simply saying, Heavenly Father, I yield to you. I am done playing the sin now and ask forgiveness later game with you. I'm not, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sick of it, right? Please lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Lead me. Lead me, Lord. Please lead me. Would you have the courage, the, the faith to say that today? Even if it scares you to death, he is faithful and he will give you a way out. Let's go before our Father in heaven right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love. I pray, God, for all those who can hear my voice, both in this room and those online right now. Would you just say to the Lord right now, I'm asking you to lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from evil right now. If that is your prayer with me right now, would you just pray that along with me right where you sit? Would you just raise your hand saying, Will, I'm asking for it. I need it. I'm not afraid to ask the Lord to lead me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil. If you're praying that right now and there's a particular area of your life that you're asking God help in. Would you just lift your hand right now all over this room? Would you please have the courage to do that? I want to pray for you right now. God, thank you for the hands in the balcony and the floor all across the room. God, I have to believe this is a breakthrough moment spiritually for many people here. I pray, God, right now that you would, as you promised through 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you are faithful that when we are tempted, that you will provide a way out so that we can bear it, we can endure it, that we can get away from it. God, help us to take it. The big question is, will we take it? I pray we would decide right now, we would pre-decide. 
God, next time I get faced with that temptation, I'm taking it. I'm running. I'm getting out of there. I'm removing myself. I don't care if, it, if somebody misunderstands or it offends somebody. I'm getting out. Of, I'm moving back. I'm taking a step back. God, I'm running towards you. I want freedom from this, Lord. Please, would you ask him for it? I want freedom. I want the peace and joy and love that you, only you can provide. You may lower your hands. And God, I pray right now for those in this room who would honestly have to say, I don't know where I stand with you, God, but I want that to end today. I want to walk out of here as your child. I want to walk out of here in a relationship with you, an intimacy that I have never known before. Or maybe it's been a real long time since I have really sought you, God. And I want that today. Would you just right now, right where you sit, just saying, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you into my life to forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life starting right here, right now. I trust you. If you just ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin and the Lord of your life for the very first time, would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you right now. Just boldly raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I'm giving my life over to Jesus. Anybody here? Giving it over to Jesus right now. God bless you, sir. I see you right there. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. I see you right there in the balcony. God bless you for the life change that's happening. Anybody else? Right down over here. Thank you. God bless you. I see you right there in the balcony. Thank you for that. Praise Jesus. Thank you so much for the life change that's happening in the room, Lord Jesus. That is only you. And I pray, God, that you would use this song right now to open up our hearts and our minds to what you want to do through us to the next generation for our children the way it's been handed down to us, some of us for generations, this powerful pursuit of God through prayer. I pray you would use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.